Mr. and Mrs. Brown first met Paddington on a railway platform. In fact, that was how he came to have such an unusual name for a bear, for Paddington was the name of the station. The Browns were there to meet their daughter Judy, who was coming home from school for the holidays. It was a warm summer day, and the station was crowded with people on their way to the seaside. Trains were humming, loudspeakers blaring, porters rushing about shouting at one another, and altogether there was so much noise that Mr. Brown, who saw him first, had to tell his wife several times before she understood. A bear? On Paddington Station? Mrs. Brown looked at her husband in amazement. Oh, don't be silly, Henry. There can't be. Mr. Brown adjusted his glasses. But there is, he insisted. I distinctly saw it, over there, near the bicycle rack. It was wearing a funny kind of hat. Without waiting for a reply, he caught hold of his wife's arm and pushed her through the crowd, round a trolley laden with chocolate and cups of tea, past a bookstall and through a gap in a pile of suitcases towards the lost property office. There you are, he announced triumphantly, pointing towards a dark corner. I told you so. Mrs. Brown followed the direction of his arm and dimly made out a small furry object in the shadows. It seemed to be sitting on some kind of suitcase, and around its neck there was a label with some writing on it. The suitcase was old and battered, and on the side, in large letters, were the words, Wanted on Voyage. Mrs. Brown clutched at her husband. Why, Henry, she exclaimed, I, I believe you were right after all. It is a bear. She peered at it more closely. It seemed a very unusual kind of bear. It was brown in colour, a rather dirty brown, and it was wearing a most odd-looking hat, with a wide brim, just as Mr. Brown had said. From beneath the brim, two large round eyes stared back at her. Seeing that something was expected of it, the bear stood up and politely raised its hat, revealing two black ears. Good afternoon, it said in a small, clear voice. Uh, good afternoon, replied Mr. Brown doubtfully. There was a moment of silence. The bear looked at them inquiringly. Can I help you? Mr. Brown looked rather embarrassed. Uh, well, um, no. Um, as a matter of fact, we were wondering if we could help you. Mrs. Brown bent down. You're a very small bear, she said. The bear puffed out its chest. I'm a very rare sort of bear, he replied importantly. There aren't many of us left where I come from. And where is that? asked Mrs. Brown. The bear looked round carefully before replying. Darkest Peru. I'm not really supposed to be here at all. I'm a stowaway. A stowaway? 
Mr. Brown lowered his voice and looked anxiously over his shoulder. He almost expected to see a policeman standing behind him with a notebook and pencil, taking everything down. Yes, said the bear. I emigrated, you know. A sad expression came into its eyes. I used to live with my Aunt Lucy in Peru, but she had to go into a home for retired bears. You don't mean to say you've come all the way from South America by yourself, exclaimed Mrs. Brown. The bear nodded. Aunt Lucy always said she wanted me to emigrate when I was old enough. That's why she taught me to speak English. But whatever did you do for food? asked Mr. Brown. You must be starving. Bending down, the bear unlocked the suitcase with a small key, which it also had round its neck, and brought out an almost empty glass jar. I ate marmalade, he said rather proudly. Bears like marmalade and I lived in a lifeboat. But what are you going to do now? said Mr. Brown. You can't just sit on Paddington Station waiting for something to happen. Oh, I shall be all right, I expect. The bear bent down to do up its case again. As he did so, Mrs. Brown caught a glimpse of the writing on the label. It said simply, Please look after this bear. Thank you. She turned appealingly to her husband. Oh, Henry, what shall we do? We can't just leave him here. There's no knowing what might happen to him. London's such a big place when you've nowhere to go. Can't he come and stay with us for a few days? Mr. Brown hesitated. But, Mary, dear, we can't take him not just like that. After all, after all, what? Mrs. Brown's voice had a firm note to it. She looked down at the bear. He is rather sweet, and he'd be such company for Jonathan and Judy, even if it's only for a little while. They'd never forgive us if they knew you'd left him here. It all seems highly irregular, said Mr. Brown, doubtfully. I'm sure there's a law about it, he bent down. Would you like to come and stay with us? he asked. Uh, that is, he added hastily, not wishing to offend the bear, if you've nothing else planned. The bear jumped, and his hat nearly fell off with excitement. Oh, yes, please. I should like that very much. I've nowhere to go, and everyone seems in such a hurry. Well, that's settled, then, said Mrs. Brown, before her husband could change his mind. And you can have marmalade for breakfast every morning, and— she tried hard to think of something else that bears might like. Every morning, the bear looked as if it could hardly believe its ears. I only had it on special occasions at home. Marmalade's very expensive in darkest Peru. Then you shall have it every morning starting tomorrow, continued Mrs. Brown, and honey on Sunday. A worried expression came over the bear's face. Will it cost very much? he asked. You see, I haven't very much money. Of course not. We wouldn't dream of charging you anything. We should expect you to be one of the family, shan't we, Henry? Mrs. Brown looked at her husband for support. Of course, said Mr. Brown. By the way, he added, if you are coming home with us, you'd better know our names. This is Mrs. Brown, and I'm Mr. Brown. The bear raised its hat politely.
twice. I haven't really got a name, he said, only a Peruvian one which no one can understand. Then we'd better give you an English one, said Mrs. Brown. It'll make things much easier. She looked around the station for inspiration. It ought to be something special, she said thoughtfully. As she spoke, an engine standing in one of the platforms gave a loud wail, and a train began to move. I know what, she exclaimed. We found you on Paddington Station, so we'll call you Paddington. Paddington. The bear repeated it several times to make sure. It seems a very long name. Quite distinguished, said Mr. Brown. Yes, I like Paddington as a name. Paddington it shall be. Mrs. Brown stood up. Good. Now, Paddington, I have to meet our little daughter Judy off the train. She's coming home from school. I'm sure you must be thirsty after your long journey, so you go along to the buffet with Mr. Brown, and he'll buy you a nice cup of tea. Paddington licked his lips. I'm very thirsty, he said. Seawater makes you thirsty. He picked up his suitcase, pulled his hat down firmly over his head, and waved a paw politely in the direction of the buffet. After you, Mr. Brown. Um, thank you, Paddington, said Mr. Brown. Now, Henry, look after him, Mrs. Brown called after them, and for goodness sake, when you get a moment, take that label off his neck. It makes him look like a parcel. I'm sure he'll get put in a luggage van or something if a porter sees him. The buffet was crowded when they entered, but Mr. Brown managed to find a table for two in a corner. By standing on a chair, Paddington could just rest his paws comfortably on the glass top. He looked around with interest while Mr. Brown went to fetch the tea. The sight of everyone eating reminded him of how hungry he felt. There was a half-eaten bun on the table, but just as he reached out his paw, a waitress came up and swept it into a pan. You don't want that, dearie, she said, giving him a friendly pat. You don't know where he's been. Paddington felt so empty he didn't really mind where it had been, but he was too polite to say anything.